0: And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Rubenstein, joined on Wednesday to talk about SmackDown Live, as always, by David Bixenspan. David, how's it going, man?
0: I am doing well. How about you?
1: Excellent. I am doing quite well. Monumentally uh, average night of SmackDown Live last night, I think in the uh, in the wake of what happened last week on Talking Smack with The Miz and Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, in my opinion, didn't quite keep the momentum going, but they set up some uh, new storylines, keep others moving forward as we head towards the Backlash pay-per-view. And uh, I guess the big news we should talk about that broke yesterday, Wrestling Inc., of course, had the... F- For the full story, Uh, Alberto Del Rio, done with the WWE. Uh, David, you want to tell everyone what's going on with that?
0: Yeah, he gave a 60 days notice, which I guess means he's on a one-year contract. Or he has a lawyer that's that's, uh, comfortable in being able to get out of a longer contract. But I mean, I'm trying to think, though. So, Helen, well, when did it let me go back cuz I just
1: debuted October uh October so we are right now about 2 months out cuz it was it was late October last year. I remember it was um what was it Helena cell I uh, recall because I was at two NXT dates that were at a uh, heavy metal festival. So, I think it was uh October 20 something. Uh oh, Actually, year. wait, excuse me. It
0: was that th- it was that he gave notice that he was opting out 60 days ago. Yeah. It's not that he just gave 60 days notice. That's right. I got confused for a second. Um You do have to wonder if it's that his contract is about to end, you know, that it's a one-year deal, or if it's just that he has a lawyer that's comfortable that, hey, they're calling him an independent contractor. He can give notice anytime he wants and leave. Yeah. Because normally WWE is going to try to hold you to it, but, you know, CM Punk pointed out on his podcast that he did when he spoke out for the first time after he quit – You know, he shouldn't have had to have been in this big fight. That if they're calling him an independent contractor, he should just be able to give notice. Um, Yeah, obviously, if it was sixty days ago, then it makes the timing of the you know the uh, drug test failure. Well, I guess we'll call it wellness policy uh, violation because we technically don't know what it is. Yeah. Well, because we technically don't know what it is. You, I mean, you know, this got discussed with the Roman Reigns thing that you know. You could have not been able to produce a sample. There are other things that can happen. Yeah, it
1: could be the paperwork, like even Marie claims or Adam Rose claimed. Um, I mean, yeah, but they, they right. definitely take it seriously. I think, uh, you know, in my mind, I just envisioned this whole thing. They told him a uh, storyline idea. Uh, Alberto Del Rio called them all perros, stormed out of there, shaking his head and, you know, in hand and disgust and said, uh, I'm going to I'm done with this, you know, because uh, they really didn't use them for anything memorable in this run. I mean, aside from getting Cena clean on his return.
0: Which is bizarre because apparently they're paying him a whole lot of money.
1: Yeah. Well, but I think that's the thing. I mean, they they wanted him at the time. They made him a deal. And then as long as they fulfilled their end of the deal, you know, as long as he was getting paid, it's not like they uh, were obliged to use him correctly or creatively. But, uh, I mean, he was – well, it's, it's funny. I mean, he, he was, the I was going to say, the least memorable uh, entrant in that six-man ladder match leading up to Money in the Bank. I remember very well everyone else's story in that, but uh, not so much about Alberto's. So, yeah, kind of a lackluster run. Of course, he's romantically involved with Paige. Uh, this will be interesting, as we saw in the CM Punk documentary. Uh, you know, just that idea that someone stays with the company while someone else leaves the company. Um, I don't know. That would be kind of weird. I mean, think about, you know, your wife or girlfriend working for your former employer that you left, you know, on not maybe the best of terms. I don't know. We'll see how that is going forward. Do you think Paige is going to be in this for the long haul with the WWE?
0: Uh, I mean, she's under contract for, I believe, a couple more years. So, yeah. you know, it all depends on, I think, if they want to have uh What was I trying to say? if If they want to have the hassle, if they feel like it'll be a hassle... Yeah. You know, if they feel like it would be worse for them to keep her on, they would probably just let her go.
1: And they've given her quite a push um, only to really pull back. You know, it seems like in the last six months. I mean, but she was in I mean, she was in a WWE Studios film. Uh, She was a judge on Tough Enough last year. Um, You know, really a face of the women's division pre divas and women's revolution. Um, It seemed like, you know, along with the Bellas and now. I mean, she's out on injury now, correct? Uh, Yes. Yeah. So I'll be curious how they use her when she comes back. Um, but yeah, it's definitely... Definitely interesting. And many have speculated also that that, uh, you know, her young signing when she was, what, 18 or 19 is now part of the reason perhaps why uh, the WWE amended their policy to where they will not sign anyone under 21 now, uh, you know, certainly because that presents a whole other world of issues and challenges. So uh, definitely uh, interesting to see how that is going forward. Um Let's talk about SmackDown and dive into the show and then we'll cover some other news a bit later. But uh, let's start with you know the opening. They really front and center put what happened between The Miz and Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack. I mean, that was the opening of the show, basically replaying The Miz's promo and Daniel Bryan walking off set. Um, this, in my opinion, should have been the, uh, the main story, the main event of last night going into SmackDown. Um, but let's, let's talk about the through line of what happened with that from that opening segment to then, uh, Dolph Ziggler coming out and getting in the Miz's face in the ring and, uh, that, you know, the buildup and, uh, what happened with that storyline. I mean, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on that, David following up last week's monumentally, uh, you know, dynamic, interesting, buzzworthy confrontation that they had. Uh,
0: I thought on one hand, they obviously didn't really follow through with it close to enough. Yeah. On the other hand, Miz did do a very good promo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was gonna the ring, but the idea that, you know, we get it at the beginning, Miz goes out there, um, Dolph comes out there, and basically just calls him a coward and, like, says, hey, let's fight right now. Um, wh- my question is this, if if Dolph was out there and among his, his litany of complaints about the Miz was like, Oh yeah, you're the guy that's more interested in being famous. And you know, you do the acting roles and you're acting this way and you, you do the commercial stuff. It's like uh, Ziggler's the guy with him in that KFC commercial Ziggler starred in the last major WWE studios film. Um, did that seem weird to you that Dolph became the mouthpiece of you're not authentic. Mr. Miz when, I mean, Dolph Ziggler has a move called the Famouser. Uh, I mean, did that seem weird to you? Or like this was just, just them trying to slot Ziggler into, into a new feud.
0: Hmm. I mean, it, is, it, it is weird to have them feuding together all of a sudden after you just introduced an ad where these two are presumably having a fake wrestling match, so to speak.
1: Yeah, and supposedly you know I mean? that ad campaign is going on for like the next six months. Like, this is going to be... A big, I mean, KFC spent some substantial money to get them to film that segment. Post, you know, SmackDown a couple weeks ago, put Ziggler as the Colonel, the Miz in a chicken suit. I mean, this wasn't just one-off Ben Her money. I mean, this is like they are now a major, major sponsor of SmackDown and uh, the WWE.
0: Yeah, so if this is gonna go on side with it, I mean, do you come up with a storyline to? Pull it together because it just it just doesn't feel like the right timing because like i said otherwise it's like what did these two guys who now apparently really don't like each other did they just agree to have a fake wrestling match did they have a real match where the real results would be chosen to be part of the commercial while they were dressing up like chicken little and colonel sanders it's yeah, and
1: here's the weird part of it, right? Is that The Miz referenced the ad in his opening diatribe. Yeah. he said, I dress up. So it's look, if you ignored the ad entirely, ignore the fact that it existed, I could see. Ziggler and the Miz feuding, but to have the Miz acknowledge that, meaning there's an in-universe acknowledgement of that, and then have it be the guy that's in the ad with him that's feuding, saying that, like, oh, you just want to be famous, you're not legit. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure, I was in that commercial too, but I really mean it, man. It's just, I don't know. Like that that's why Ziggler is a strange choice, um, of opponent, especially when. What Daniel Bryan was preaching about, you know, uh, you know, his doing it for the love, and you know, this being against the soft WWE style. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Ziggler came up the same way the Miz did, right? I mean, Ziggler was in OVW, uh, debuted as part of the Spirit Squad. I mean, he's he's WWE homegrown, right? Did he have any notable indie career? No.
0: I mean, but those two were both pretty much entirely WWE trained products.
1: Yeah, no, I understand that. I understand. That's what I'm saying is that. Yeah. So it's like, if there was going to be a standard bearer uh, to to represent Daniel Bryan's point of view, it's not Dolph Ziggler. You know, they could have brought up any guy from NXT. Uh, I think we talked about this last week. If they wanted to bring back Casher uh, you know, like like get Chris Hero in there or some indie guy to be well, Daniel Bryan's proxy, they could have well, done that.
0: Well, there is one way you could a different. You can still kind of do that even though they're both homegrown guys yeah you can look at it from the point of view that well Miz is this you know reality tv guy and wannabe actor or whatever you want to call him and uh Ziggler is an athlete Ziggler was a fairly high level collegiate wrestler that type of thing And actually that's right I forgot uh Miz Miz technically started in UPW in California but that was kind of a Semi official WWE satellite that was training guys with the idea of getting them to WWE. And he went to, and he ended up on tough enough and into deep south fairly quickly. So he's still pretty much a homegrown guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing in The Miz. I mean, as someone who's been following uh, Mike Mizran's career since the real world, I mean, I remember reading on uh you know the the wrestling gossip sites back in the you know early 2000s that oh he did a walk on spot at this promotion oh he's going to wrestling school here uh but pretty much uh because he didn't have it, it seemed like his goal from day one was to get in the wwe yes and uh he never really focused on establishing a huge name for himself on the indies whereas the guys like brian or punk or you know uh Kevin or Finn or, or, you know, I mean, it seemed like Miz had one goal in sight and went for it. Um, so I don't know. I thought it was a little disappointing to see that this is the, where the storyline's going, uh, given how all our minds were racing last week with where it could go. Right. Dolph Ziggler, and I and I like Dolph Ziggler a lot, but I just don't think Dolph Ziggler versus the Miz sets the world on fire.
0: I, I have one way that it could. Huh. You were talking about how long you've been following his Career pre-wrestling and everything. Yeah. What if, to counteract Maurice, Dolph Ziggler brings out Coral as his valet?
1: Yeah, I was going to say, or Trishel, you know, just like, like, let's just go all the way back, right? Um, and it's it's funny, too. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. So we went to, uh, the Miz had a meet and greet the day that we went to those house shows a couple week weeks ago, and we were like, oh, let's go to the Miz meet and greet. We got nothing else to do in Fresno on a Sunday afternoon. And uh, we were talking about there in line. My wife and I were like, we're older than everyone here. Like, we're the only people that even remember the real world, uh, it seemed like, or the real world back to New York, you know, and it was like, we were like, oh, we should bring that up to the Miz, does he still keep in touch with Coral or Trishel? And we're like, Yeah, sure, you know, he gets it all the time. I'm like, I don't think he gets that that much anymore. I think his entire fan base now, you know, doesn't even know his roots, maybe pre tough enough. But uh, no, I think you're right, Coral would be an interesting uh choice, but I don't think people would get it. You know, that'd be like, Why don't they bring back uh Daniel uh, you know, uh, Pooter who won that season or something? You know, let's just go all the way back. Well, I mean, they are
0: they are in business with Bonham Murray Productions. Oh, that's true. I'm in the real world, so I mean, yeah. I'm not, I would presume they'd be able to use the footage if they really wanted to.
1: Oh, no. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, I think his journey is really interesting with that. Uh, You know, it it, of course makes the rounds on square circle, squared circle uh, every couple months, but in the light of his promo last week on Reddit, someone uh, uploaded the first, technically the debut of the Miz on the real world when he was just home alone one day in the loft doing the Miz character. But what's funny is I remember watching that episode and thinking like, I think that guy's got something like it's silly. It's what we all used to do as kids, but here was a guy, you know, in his early twenties, doing the i am the champion you know and pulling off these moves and whatnot uh you know and i think for me that that's what uh makes the miz endearing is that you can tell he's a fan who who got into this because he loves it you know yeah uh so yeah so we'll see where the storyline goes but that definitely was you know the the big uh hype going into this episode speaking of hype uh the hype rose versus the vaude villains the hype rose one to advance in the tag tournament what did you think of the match and what did you think of the new, uh, the new intro that we got with uh, the Vaudevillains? I mean, really going for the more villainous turn talking about what's manly and what was it? The crushing of cartilage. Uh, it's, it seemed like a, maybe an attempt to define the Vaudevillains a little bit more now.
0: Yeah. Cause they hadn't really done anything with them on the main roster. It's just like, here are these guys dressed as old timey, you know, strong men or whatever. And they didn't, I think they only got, like, one or two promos, like, maybe very early when they got called up.
1: Uh, Yeah, the most memorable promo was uh, after concussing uh, Enzo Amore. Yes. Having them come out and sort of own that and get some heat for it. Uh, But aside from that, I don't think they've done anything really memorable on the main roster.
0: I mean, I think you got to do something to kind of define them a little more. So that was good, but... I mean, just every time you see them and you hear the crowd just not reacting to them at all, it's just clear that this was is not and was never really a good idea for a main roster gimmick. It was, it was fun as something that you had on NXT, and then they turned babyface, and it was this nice, cute, you know, comedy tag team. Yeah. But it was always going to have a limited shelf life and then bring them back to the main roster, especially as heels. It just doesn't work. Like, I don't know if it would have worked bring them up as baby faces either but i mean they're, they're talented enough they should be able to have a spot but this gimmick is just nothing it's unless you just unless you have them as baby face but it's not it's not something that has mass appeal i mean it is kind of an ironic haha look at the guys with the old timey mustaches type of thing that you you're supposed to find funny and kind of cheer for and i don't think that's the type of thing that at least right now necessarily works on the main roster
1: whereas the hype bros it seems like are doing pretty well in those bigger uh those bigger venues right i mean it seems like it was almost felt overdone and forced at full sale but you get them out there i don't know if it was on um was it on no wasn't on smackdown last week was it or was it on main event or superstars where they had like their own little section of fans that were dressed up but one of the matches the hype bros did in the last week i mean you could tell like they're they're really getting over with with these crowds and uh compared to the vaude villains it just i don't know i mean the vaude villains are not translating to, to this bigger venue
0: some guys play better to bigger rooms some guys play better to smaller rooms uh the high act clearly p- plays better to bigger rooms
1: Yeah. And so the Hype Bros won the match. The thing that surprised me the most, though, was that it was a short match. Um, And I think that's what speaks to uh, the villains maybe getting a little, I don't want to say buried, I feel like that's an overused term, but I'm just gonna say a little lost in the shuffle of this new era is that when I saw that it was the villains versus the Hype Bros, two nxt veteran teams that have put on you know especially the vaude villains have put on some really strong matches in nxt i was like okay clearly the hype bros are gonna are gonna win this match but they're gonna give the vaude villains a good showcase and then no i mean it was one thing where it was over in three minutes that was what was really shocking to me
0: well also with the in-ring style that the vaude vaude villains have especially simon gotch it doesn't really that doesn't play as well as heels either that yeah. For Gotch to do kind of like, you know, the carny, Matt Work, counters type of thing, that's, especially when no one else is doing it, that's that's a babyface style.
1: Yeah. So yeah. They,
0: they don't even really have anything in the ring either because he can't really, excuse me, because Gotch, who's the better of the two in the ring, can't really do what he's best at. So they're just kind of stuck and generic. But, I mean, I... I don't know if I can say I like the Hype Bros persona, but uh, I think they're doing well with what they're supposed to be. And as much as people are critical of Mojo Rawley getting called up, I mean, he's he is so good at the charity stuff and doing stuff with kids that I, to- I totally get why they p- called him up. And as part of, you know, a mid-card, you know, opening match tag team, I think that's fine. Oh, yeah. I, I don't... I mean, yeah, he's not quite, you know, he's not great or anything, but he's fine.
1: But Mojo embodies what's that Scott Hall quote that that he gave the guys uh on Breaking Ground where it was like, you know, my thing was that it doesn't matter if you're the top guy. If you carry yourself like you're the top guy, you're gonna get over. People are gonna notice. And I think Mojo's the embodiment of that. Mojo, he's he's humble, but at the same time, I think that he goes that extra mile. You know, he interacts with the fans and he has that aura about him, like nothing phases him. You know, and I think that he, yeah, I think in Mojo's head, he's the top guy, you know, and I like that about him. I think that it projects very well. Um, and I think it's, a, you know, you saw that note Ryder posted uh, yesterday on Twitter. I think it's elevated Ryder's game and given Ryder, you know, uh, some nice support. Uh, so let's, let's talk about uh, what happened with AJ Styles and Apollo Crews in a second. But first want to remind everyone, speaking of Scott Hall, WWE stars everywhere are just completely changing their lives with DDP yoga. If you haven't heard about it yet, if you haven't gotten bored yet, now is the time that you need to try DDP yoga. Uh used by the likes, we mentioned Scott Hall, used by God uh Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho used by Gold Dust Dustin Runnels of course, and uh yeah, it is just changing lives with DDP yoga. Of course Jake Roberts in the Resurrection, and Jake the Snake you saw also DDP yoga not only changed his life, but arguably saved his life. And now they've taken it to another level with the DDP yoga now app on iOS and Android devices. So you got no, no excuse because now you could take DDP yoga anywhere with you. And the cool thing about the app is that you can track more than just workouts. You can connect it to a Bluetooth heart rate monitor, track your calories and heart rate in real time. And whether uh, you're at the gym on your DDP yoga mat, or even while you're out mowing the lawn, you have all the fitness tracking features, including pain tracking measurements, progress photos and much more completely for free in the app ddp now uh, pardon me ddp yoga now subscribers also won't get tired of doing the same workouts over again because they've added completely new ddp yoga 2.0 workouts weekly live workouts from the ddp yoga performance center and motivational messages every monday from ddp himself Hey, Diamond Dallas Page even hosts his own cooking show on the app, showing you how to make healthy food taste amazing. And for a limited time, you can get the DDP Yoga DVDs for twenty percent off, plus three months of full access to the DDP Yoga Now app. Head over to ddpyoga.com/wrestlinginc. Stop procrastinating. Get started now. Ddpyoga.com/wrestlinginc. Also, want to remind everyone check out Trendy Butler, a fantastic clothing service that does all the work for you. You select a style profile, Trendy Butler has a stylist handpicked clothes that cater to you and your style. Even better, for only $65, you get over $150 in designer clothes. Make sure you use the code wrestling 10 at sign up to get $10 off and you can find out more about them at twitter.com slash trendy Butler, instagram.com slash trendy underscore Butler. And of course, trendybutler.com. use the code wrestling 10 to get $10 off. Um, We thank our sponsors for bringing you the wrestling Inc podcast. Let's talk a little bit about AJ Styles versus Apollo Crews. Now this I have a question first. Oh, yeah, please. Did you plan that Scott Hall segue in advance? I did not, uh, you know, but I've been thinking about it because uh, I, I watched the Scott <laughs> Hall documentary on a Razor's Edge the other night that the WWE put out, sort of sort of their version, as I've been calling it, of the Jake the Snake documentary. And uh, once again, Diamond Dallas Page, he's like he's like Mother Teresa in yoga pants. I mean, the guy just goes around and takes people whose you know lives have taken a turn that need lifting up, and he just completely gets them on the right track to see what he did with uh, with Jake Roberts. To see what he did with Scott Hall. I mean, I think that man is a candidate for sainthood, not only uh the WWE Hall of Fame. So uh yeah, I, but Scott Hall, I think is you know really fascinating guy. Did you watch that documentary yet? Uh Razor's Edge, no. Yeah, it was very, very good. Um, you know, I, I think that it was very interesting to, to look at just you know how things that happened early in his life and career just affected him profoundly going forward. But i uh, highly recommend that to check that out on DVD and Blu-ray. Um and DDP yoga. And DDP himself has great, great cameo. It's almost got like a crossover because you watch the Jake the Snake documentary. And at one point they just start showing footage from the Jake the Snake documentary with Scott Hall. So it's like the two documentaries intersect uh, at a certain point, which I thought was really interesting because you don't see that happen very often, you know?
0: So AJ Styles and Apollo Crews.
1: Yes, AJ Styles and Apollo Crews. This was a placeholder one night only sort of match to give AJ something to do as he heads towards his uh, big match with Dean Ambrose for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at Backlash. Um, What do you think of this? Uh, And what do you think about with Apollo Crews? His gimmick now is reminding people that his name is not Apollo Creed. Like that's literally what it's come down to. Uh, We've been saying Apollo needs a character. Well, that's his character that he spells his last name for folks. Uh, what did you think about the match and, and their confrontation last night?
0: I mean, as far as the whole "I'm not a my name's not Apollo Creed" thing, I mean that's that feels like some kiss of death stuff for him. I mean, that's I, mean, I think we've talked about before how he needs a little bit more direction, and yeah. uh, that that's not it. I mean, it's direction, but it's it's not a good one. Uh, match was very good. I mean, yeah. you expect these two to work well together, and then they did. I loved. The uh, counter where he where Cruz caught Styles midair, I think on the phenomenal forearm. Mm -hmm. First time I because they really haven't done as much to get over the like the kind of strongman idea with him. So I I thought that was cool, but uh, I mean very good match. I mean maybe not quite as good as maybe you'd expect from these two, but. I would think they have more in them for if they had a shot at a bigger match. Not that it necessarily seems like Cruz would be in one anytime soon.
1: Yeah. No, I think uh, it was, yeah, the, the, the match itself I thought was, was good, but yeah, that buildup just really left a lot to be desired where it was just like, okay, you know, AJ is doing the face that runs the place bit, which I, I really like. I think doing AJ is like an over the top, comedic heel um i think is working out pretty well at this point but uh yeah i don't know i I, f- I feel bad for apollo that he's gotta make the most of this somehow and it just all becomes spelling out and it's funny he keeps saying apollo cruz so much i think even he's gonna slip up and refer to himself as apollo creed at some point uh because yeah thinks-
0: i know because it's like you say it so much and it's just gonna be like apollo cruz apollo cruz apollo cruz apollo cruz creature ah!
1: Yeah. yeah <laughs> It's it's weird that they're lampshading it now. Like the guy's been around for a year, and it's like and we know people screw up his name, but let's make that the thing that he needs to correct people. I don't know. That's in my mind, not a good sign. Uh, you know, uh, I worry for where Apollo's uh, career is <laughs> from here if this is where he's at at this stage in the game. Um, so let's uh let's save this uh, promo that they did with Slater and Rhino and uh, Slater's uh, wife. Let's save that to uh, save that till we talk about the match and first talk about just what we got last night which was the official um started this angle with Bray versus Randy Orton um what what did you think of that segment and that I mean how hard they're uh they're pushing this now
0: um I mean considering how much I hate this feud (laughs) (laughs) um it was better than I expected Mm -hmm. but (laughs) It just seems almost a little too. I don't know. Maybe I don't know if trite's the right word. Like, just the the way they did it, where Bray's doing his shtick and then Bray. I forget what the exact verbiage was, but it was something with Orton like, "Oh, I've had problems for a very long time," or whatever it was. It just was like predict the promo word for word.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It just I. It was better than I expected, and it didn't make me want to throw things at my TV like I usually do with Bray, and especially with these two together, but I just, I can't, I can't get into this. I just, I can't. They, They need to be with someone, both of them needs to be with someone else who feels more fresh. Both of these are guys who felt stale, and I mean, Orton had an opportunity to feel fresher after being out for so many months. And and, I know I'm like a broken record with it, but it's true. They needed to be with someone else. Why it needed, even even if it was not like a near main event level feud, he just needed someone who was fresher and so did Orton.
1: Yeah, it it felt very hokey to me when it was Bray, you know, quoting uh, Randy's theme song, you know, and just, I don't know. Like we discussed this before. I almost feel like, I almost feel like in kayfabe, like, you should not acknowledge the lyrics to, to your own theme song, to anyone else's theme song. Like, it just always comes off really, really hokey and bad. Um, it sounds like, you know, like William Shatner doing his his reading thing. Uh, I pointed a couple weeks ago to, like, uh, you know... Uh, that quote with Nia Jax. I was like, Nia, you're here in WWE. What makes you different? Well, I'm not like most girls. And she just started reading her goddamn song lyrics to her yes. entrance theme. Um, it's so like...
0: Uh, but yeah, I love that comparison you made. It's like, it's like w- the William Shatner, Ben Folds album and the cover yeah. of Common People. And
1: Yeah, it's just, it sounds so bad. So it was like, oh, you hear voices, man. And it's just like, oh, okay. You know, with Bray yes. Wyatt, I, uh, tell me if you're on the same page with this. With Bray Wyatt, I think less is more. And I think that if you have him, you have a few well-chosen words, that makes him a lot more intimidating. Whereas when he just talks and rambles, it's like this guy is saying nothing. This is just, you know, like he watched uh, De Niro and Cape Fear, watched a documentary on Charles Manson, and then just wrote down a bunch of nonsense and is out here spouting it, trying to sound like he's, you know, imposing or foreboding, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I almost feel like I have
0: to go back to see if his promos ever – were ever better than this, or they just felt fresh when they were new?
1: Yeah, his original NXT intro with those montages, and he was... Say, so, I mean, actually, it's original NXT montages. Um, they had the music and they had like the shots of the swamp and they had him saying stuff. and Sometimes it came across as like, oh, that he mildly has a point. Um, but then other times it sounded like some SNL sketch about like you know, deep thoughts, uh, for, like profound statements from college students. You know, it was like teachers say they have all the answers, man, but. Can't know who taught them everything. You know, it was just, like, weird, like, half-baked sort of platitudes. Um, Like, that's, go back and watch his original NXT promos. Like, for every one that's gold, there's ten. They're like, he kind of had a point, but lost it halfway through there, you know?
0: Yeah. It's over to, to that he's a baby face, but they don't have enough heels, so there you go
1: yeah so uh I, you know i would have preferred to see uh something a little more in ring with them i think would have made it um better you know would have given us a little more meat uh less of a talking segment just yeah something physical yeah because yeah, at this point um you know hey i mean i don't know about you but it's like i'm just i'm just watching to see uh the sister abigail abigail into the rko at this point you know like, which I don't think they did at the house, house shows that I saw them wrestle at. So I'm curious to see that um, pulled off. And that's going to be on Backlash, correct? That's on the card? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, it seems like that's that's the best opportunity for it. So let's talk about uh, the women's segment, which, uh, see, I don't know about you with this, but it, we had Naomi and Becky Lynch versus Alexa Bliss and Natalia. We had Nikki Bella on commentary. And of course, Carmella came out and interrupted it. Here's where I'm at with with the women's division on SmackDown. If you only have six women in the division, you don't have to use all six every week. And I know this is building up towards the six-pack challenge to determine the first champion, but it seems like we're going to see all six of them in the ring. We've seen all six of them in and around the ring almost every week of the new era, or certainly at least since Nikki's been back.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I get your point. I, to me, it's more the it calls attention too much that there are only six. Yeah. I mean, not that raw really has more, but you can sort of pretend, but I mean, I I'm okay with it because it's built into the six pack match though.
1: Yeah. I, I just, I thought it was a little predictable last night. Um, I thought the best part was, was Carmela coming out and attacking Nikki Bella. Cause that literally, I don't know how well they hit it in the arena, but I mean, on TV that was out of nowhere where it was like yeah. Carmela just, Bam was at the SmackDown announcer table and just uh, attacking Nikki. I thought that part was really cool. But yeah, I mean, aside from uh, from Naomi's entrance, I don't know. I mean, like last night, and I really like all of the women involved with this, but I thought last night was just kind of like, eh, okay, this is going to get a little stale. You got to freshen this up a bit. Yeah, I mean,
0: seemed, the crowd seemed like the crowd was really into uh, the Carmella Nikki stuff, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's, that absence makes the heart grow fonder thing, or whatever. But Nikki Bella has been incredibly over since she came back.
1: Yeah, well, so much so she came back originally on the heel team, and now they they turned her very quick to where the face team was comforting her after uh, after her beatdown.
0: Yes, but then he, and then even just the way the crowd was so into that. A, you know Carmella attack on her last night too that all yeah. of a sudden you know the match didn't really have much heat or anything and then all of a sudden it just woke everyone up
1: but yeah the match
0: was fine though I mean the match was perfectly oh, good yeah. Tag match
1: yeah I think that it's it's interesting I mean this is the second time in what a month that Becky's been pinned by distraction you know by outside distraction I mean I don't know it just maybe that's it. it just feels like Literally, I could have, you know, with the exception of Carmella, actually, no, even with that, every single thing that happened, I could have taken bits and pieces from other things that have happened just on episodes of SmackDown and cut them together and recreated this entire match. (laughs) You know, like, just even on things that happened in SmackDown in the last three weeks, I could have just taken those bits and pieces and given you the exact same beat by beat you know everything that happened i think that was you know my uh, like hey maybe we've seen this before but uh who do you pick to win the six pack of backlash who do you think is going to be the first women's champion at this point mm-hmm. uh i have to choose my words carefully here for reasons <laughs> i
0: can't explain on the air um uh nikki if it's a baby face natalia if it's a heel
1: yeah well, I mean and I think what's one of those things. Nikki and Becky don't need the belt to be to be over to be relevant. Uh Natalia, maybe at this point, I think to establish herself as a monster heel needs the belt. Uh but yeah, I think I think it's one of those three, you know, certainly. Now I have a question for you. Yeah.
0: Can you win a game of Connect 4 in just three moves?
1: Oh yeah, I saw that. So so talk a bit about this, about how about who's coming back and how they're building it up. So Kurt Hawkins, yeah,
0: is officially coming back, um, and he got this video where it was like just a bunch of like stills of like fact. Kurt and one of the the big one I I remember was Kurt Hawkins can win a game of Connect Four in three moves. So that's his gimmick.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> it, well, it's, brand, like, this it's weird. Someone someone like just discovered bra- uh, the the Chuck Norris facts. You know, yeah, and just was like oh this is great we should use this for a wrestler in 2016 you know yeah
0: I, it's fine um, but a little random but I mean I like it it was amusing enough in the way they presented it uh, speaking of amusing enough in the way they presented it uh, so now we go back a little bit because you wanted to wait for the match to talk yeah, about yeah, this yeah. Uh, the visit to Heath Slater's trailer <laughs>
1: Uh, okay. So in concept, I love this in concept. I think this is a plus, 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 um, that we're going to do this vignette behind the scenes into Heath Slater's life. Obviously his kayfabe life. They, you know, had it in a trailer. They had the, the white trash wife. They had the, the hors d'oeuvres with uh, the crackers and cheese whiz and Vienna sausages. Uh, you know uh, Rhino hanging out with him I love the concept Um, what did you think of the execution David I thought it was a
0: little much I mean it was entertaining but I thought the best part to be the best parts to be honest were Rhino's reactions to everything
1: yeah Rhino was really funny and really really I mean like His comic timing was great, uh, the way they cut it together with him. I mean, he, for being a background uh, player in this bit, you know, stole the show, in my opinion. Uh, My issues with it, again, I think the concept is fantastic, but the humor felt like, oh, man, this this is everything that that Vince McMahon finds funny. You know, like – like oh his wife's his wife's you know really chunky you know and it's like oh and she burps get it that's funny you know uh it just like that it was it was the humor being a little lazy and um I don't know like like uh to quote the villains uh the humor from a bygone era that that's to me what what felt you know what brought this down but I think the concept and and Rhino was absolutely fantastic
0: yeah but you could kind of in your head hear Vince McMahon going hillbillies
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know you, yeah. in your head,
0: you start you, you know if there was like a thought bubble if you could see vince coming up with this or watching this it you would see a thought bubble in his head of hillbilly jim square dancing with uncle elmer or whatever yeah. it's but yeah. i mean it was it was fun uh but <laughs> rhino was the highlight though i think i think at the beginning renee asks why he's even there and he just kind of shrugs i mean in storyline i mean they're in west virginia rhino is running for office i believe in michigan they've acknowledged his real life uh campaign so there really is no reason to
1: be for him to be there oh yeah
0: and they acknowledge that which i love
1: so i mean if we're gonna talk you know uh, uh let's let's go full on with rhino's involvement did you watch talking smack last night uh no I recommend everyone watch Talking Smack. Now it was not an explosive episode like last week. No one attacked anyone. Um, they had very, you know, civilized and rational discussions. But Rhino was uh Rhino and Heath Slater showed up on Talking Smack and they gave a bit of an interview. Rhino gave an answer of what this means to him. Is it just him helping Slater out? And Rhino pointed out that he has not held a tag team title in the US or held a tag title at all since 98. He gave this really heartfelt answer where he was talking about not only helping Heath, but what it was, what it meant to him to be battling for the titles here. And I have to say, like I got a hundred times more invested in this and in them winning, you know, it was this great heartfelt answer. I think Rhino, I mean, Heath Slater has been fantastic, but Rhino is now, you know, not a supporting player. He is a main player in this storyline. And uh, I highly recommend anyone uh, that's, you know, interested in Slater and Rhino, watch, uh, watch that uh, interview on Talking Smack. It was funny. They had some great uh, back and forth talking about how they're preparing for their match against the hyperos, including water aerobics, one of the things, and a name for their tag team, that it's a uh, Beauty and the Man Beast, with, uh, with uh, Rhino being the beauty of the equation in Slater being uh, the man beast. Uh, it was, was very, very good. But um, So all this to say, the behind-the-scenes segment, the post-segment, I think the only thing that under, under-delivered a little bit was their match against the Headbangers. I mean, what, what did you think of that?
0: I mean, what I was thinking
1: as I was watching was the Headbangers? Yeah. <laughs> this I, is the best we could come up with. I mean... Any insight into why the Headbangers were chosen as the, the eighth entrance in this tournament? I mean, I was...
0: I didn't hear anything. I mean, I was trying to think about it. Um, I mean, they mentioned that the Headbangers haven't been there in 16 years as a team,
1: and the Headbangers weren't. I mean, Headbangers weren't the Road Warriors, man. They weren't the Deadly Boys. They weren't. Oh, you know, I mean, the the Headbangers. Do they even make your list of the top 10 most memorable tag teams?
0: I don't think they make the top 20. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're that one where you're making the list of all the tag teams ever that you forget about and you're like oh yeah the headbangers i forgot about them you know i would have rather seen scotty 2 hottie and albert reunite for one night they were more memorable to me than the headbangers oh
0: the hip-hop hippo absolutely yeah
1: let's get tons uh tons of funk back you know i mean get the Funkosaurus out there you know get him with albert let's uh you know uh, i mean that's the thing of all the memorable tag teams the headbangers are not on that list in my opinion but the match i think it was interesting in that slater got i
0: I didn't i never realized that he uh he had two different dancing whatever gimmicks
1: (laughs) you know what albert gets uh when matt bloom gets inducted into the hall of fame that's going to be a hell of a video of just every i mean because that guy tried a lot of stuff they threw a lot of stuff at the wall with him to see what stuck
0: guy named after genital piercing um who actually who briefly was hanging out with a character who was supposed to be a cocaine dealer <laughs> um what else so the member of X-Factor
1: yeah, the the samurai sword um yes Tensei. hip hop hippo <laughs> Uh, it's, It's really funny I mean, just when you look back at failed They should have a night That's just, you know The next time when they do Like one of those Episode 1000 or episode 2000 I would love to see a night That is just all failed gimmicks like, we could just have everyone come out in their previous gimmick. Uh, you know, Cena, Cena can come back out as the professor of thugonomics, You know, we can just go full flash. Well, that wasn't failed, though. Well, I know. But, I mean, but by comparison. You know what I mean? By, uh, by like, or let's just say they're old gimmicks. You know yeah. I mean? Because he, he could come out as a prototype, but no one would, uh, no one would remember that.
0: Now, did you did you catch? Because I didn't. Where Rhino got busted open during that match?
1: It was right before the finisher, and some people are speculating that he bladed, but I don't know. I mean, blading on SmackDown seems okay, kinda... but no.
0: Rhino is not going to blade <laughs> during the first round of the tag team tournament <laughs> in a match against the Headbangers
1: it builds drama man no uh, i know i know i know but that's what people were speculating but people were saying it was right before the finisher he got uh busted open but slater uh i guess his tongue and uh his nose he on I mean, he was looking pretty beat up on uh smackdown not as bad as with the weird eye thing but
0: uh, i'm guessing the headbangers have not been wrestling much <laughs> lately and uh... this is
1: why you don't bring back guys who haven't been doing it for matches like this
0: well that's the thing it's not like they're working on the indies regularly as far as i know i mean they so they uh it was like they got a little excited there was a yeah. lot of excitement there and uh <laughs> i don't know Rh- Rhino's not someone that i would want to accidentally uh bust open
1: So uh, let's talk about the main event of the evening. Again, this was sort of a placeholder for Dean Ambrose, but we had Baron Corbin versus Dean Ambrose. And this is interesting because it looks like for the time being, they've uh, either abandoned or paused uh, Corbin. Oh, we did skip something. Oh, what did we skip? Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kane's encounter with... Yeah, that that was peculiar. Yeah, so if you got up and went to the bathroom before the main event last night, you probably missed this. Um, a guy came out, Gary the Milkman, and started stripping in the ring. The Milkman
0: Millman, named after famed AWA job guy Jake the Milkman Millman.
1: Um, he came out right before the start of the match, got on the mic, talked about wanting to fight, and then the demon Kane came out of nowhere, chokeslammed him, um then walked to the backstage and shared a meaningful glance meaningful look with baron corbin setting up what i think corbin's next feud is going to be um but yeah i mean what what did you make of that whole thing hell if i know (laughs) yeah kane uh kane versus corbin i think they'll make sense two guys with similar similar heights similar heights (laughs) um uh, and, and didn't uh corbin eliminate kane at the at the uh battle royal at wrestlemania wasn't kane the last one he eliminated uh that sounds right yeah so we'll see we'll see where that goes um but yeah that segment and i like that they're doing weird stuff i like that smackdown is doing weird stuff let me make that clear just sometimes i would like a little more context for it um just a little, not a lot, just a little bit. Um, so so Corbin versus Styles. Uh I mean, yeah, as a placeholder versus Ambrose. Or yeah, or pardon me. Uh pardon me, uh Corbin versus Ambrose with Styles on commentary. What did you think of uh, the match itself? I didn't
0: think the match was much. Uh I mean Styles on commentary was very good as he has been always since he's been doing this. They've, I feel like they've been using him doing the commentary more regularly during his feuds. They have been with other people. Uh-huh. Um, maybe just because of his improvement as a, a talker and all that. But I didn't think too much of the match. I really did like the show closing angle.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, where, yeah with Styles and Ambrose?
0: Yeah, where the... With shaking his hand and obviously AJ's planning something. But then he just... well, uh, Although, excuse me, no. He... Or the... He shakes his hand after the crotching him on the top rope. Oh, <laughs>
1: uh, I, yeah, I think that it'll, that'll be interesting. A lot was made of that. Now, I guess uh, for people that hadn't read or heard this yet, AJ stayed on that top rope into the start of the dark match. <laughs> I had not heard. That. Yeah, there's photos online. You could see um, like Reigns and Cena and the guys in the ring for the dark match. And, and Styles is still straddling the rope. Well, cause he sold it. I
0: love that he sold it like death. Yeah. Cause I mean, that doesn't usually happen. I just love how he was just frozen there grimacing in the first place.
1: Well, he did show up on talking smack, uh, what about 15 minutes after the end of, uh, Smackdown live. So he did get off the rope successfully and appeared, you know, not too traumatized by the event, but yeah, he has an interview on talking smack talking about it. Um, but I thought with Corbin and Ambrose, I thought that was a, you know, solid match. It was good for for placeholder one off, um, mm-hmm. but yes, I mean, uh, Corbin's not bad. No, I mean, he's yeah.
0: just. I mean, he's a project. Um, but okay, the video the video that I just saw on Twitter that I see on Twitter say it says that he spent the entire dark match on the ropes.
1: <laughs> it couldn't have been the entire match because 15 minutes later he was on. He was on... Uh, they
0: get through those dark matches pretty quick sometimes.
1: Really? Just like, ah, technically you saw these wrestlers. Good night. <laughs> you
0: know? Kind of, yes. Uh, okay. I'm watching it now. Let's see. Yeah. <laughs> Cena's hitting the ropes Yeah. while,
1: while AJ is straddling them this is why you go to go to live events people this is what the kind of thing you see at house shows and in dark matches you know uh which is good i mean i love that i love it i love it if they carried it all the way through to the next match that's actually fantastic and better than what i read
0: oh and then okay then reigns clo as he's climbing the ropes to pose he does it by aj and makes a point of shaking the ropes it- into aj's crotch and then pats him on the back <laughs> That's funny. And Cena made a point of bouncing off the ropes in extra time. Uh, Styles is still there. Still there. Um, who did they... Who are their opponents here? It's not, not the easiest thing to tell from this What's camera that, like, angle. was uh,
1: like Seth and Bray or something like that?
0: That looks right. And he's just still there. Now Rollins is staring. <laughs> Rollins stares at him, then springboards off that rope into the ring. Nice. If you just cool. look if you just look up uh AJ what did I look up? If you look up AJ Styles Dark Match on Twitter right now, it'll be the first result.
1: Cool. Um yeah, so what did you think of this episode of SmackDown Live? It was fun. Um
0: I liked it, but I think because of the main event, I would say we're always the better show this week.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, my, my complaints about SmackDown Live last night really just have to come with how do you follow up this week of build-up with The Miz and Daniel Bryan? You know, it's entirely that. They
0: didn't, really. We didn't mention uh, how they had Bryan and Shane react, which was interesting because it was more that they, it seemed like they were creating dissension between the two of them as opposed to really doing anything with them and or with Bryan and Miz. So that yeah. was interesting um but otherwise that was the only follow-up on the brian ad
1: yeah yeah i just would have liked to have seen more um so i think that it was a lackluster episode of smackdown live only because the other episodes have been as good and because maybe expectations were so high but i think that you know it was was enjoyable it just wasn't everything that you know, you build it up so much in your head. How do you possibly pay it off? And this was not it, in my opinion. Um, but let's talk about what else happened this week uh, in the last couple of days of wrestling. I mean, we talked about Alberto Del Rio. Um, episode three of the Evolution of Punk, the CM Punk UFC documentary. Now, I finally saw episode one this past weekend, but talk a bit about where the series is headed, David.
0: Uh, let's see. So this one, you know, they cut ahead to the end of his shoulder injury rehab. And this one felt very focused on getting people to like him as a person, <laughs> and it felt like one of those things where if you're if you're not a wrestling fan, it could work, but if you're familiar with Punk, it might not. Um, and lots, of, it just felt a lot of it just kind of feels staged, like him taking a kid who was with him at a charity event for, it looked like Dare because the kid was wearing a Dare shirt, taking him to a comic store so Punk can buy the first issue of the Drax comic that he wrote and buy one for the kid. And it, it just, it, it felt overly fabricated. Um, there are points where you can see, and I won't say who, that there are people edited out of certain scenes mm-hmm. Um which is interesting. Uh, there wasn't, I don't think there was as much training. Actually, the the most interesting thing from a fighting perspective was they showed him doing just straight up jujitsu class in the, in the gi. And after Daniel Vanderlei, who's the jujitsu coach at uh, Rufus sport gives punk the first stripe on his white belt, which is interesting because it's not a belt promotion or anything, but punk's, Stick with this had always been oh i'm a i'm a white belt for life I'm, I'm never gonna get promoted i don't you know i don't train in the gi enough but i also i don't like the idea of it so you no matter how good i get he always tried to put forth that he was better on the ground than a white belt would be uh, now if he's doing the class and he's supposed to be proud of it i don't know is it supposed to i guess i don't i felt like you weren't supposed to know the history and if you did it came off like it was just for the show or it exposes that he really was not very good at Shuzutsu in the first
1: place. <laughs> yeah. You know, watching the first episode, I had a lot of the similar reactions that you had uh, after it first aired was like, Oh, you know, he's going to do a little scrimmage match. I'm sure, you know, he might feel a little rusty, but he could probably carry himself. And I was like, Oh, Oh, dear God, no. Oh, this this guy should not be doing this. He is not prepared. This was a horrible mistake. Um, I mean, so is, is, are, are they making it at least a credible case that he's getting better, or is it just kind of this leading up to explain his eventual defeat? I mean, which do you think this is?
0: I mean, I think some of the injury stuff is to explain his eventual defeat. Um, he's clearly getting better. Now, That what they also did on Monday was They did a Facebook live stream of him training. And again, he looked better, but he doesn't look good, especially if you compare it to Mickey Gall's training videos. And, you know, one thing I saw a lot of people noticing was that every time he threw a punch, his opposite hand dropped, uh, which is obviously not good and is opening himself up to counter shots. Uh, It makes you wonder also, like, I mean, some people were being conspiratorial about it, like, "Oh, maybe, maybe he's just doing that to make it seems like he has this glaring flaw." And blah, blah, blah. Which maybe because it is a little weird, especially if there's so little footage on you and you're new to give your opponent this much training video. But who knows? I'm still, I'm still concerned that something bad is going to happen. I mean,
1: because
0: <laughs> he. I mean, he's, he just doesn't seem to be coming along that well. I mean, between age injuries that he was not, you know, as pro wrestlers go, he was not an especially good athlete. I mean, he's all, he's going to be behind anyone, anyone even who tried to do the exact same thing as him. who was a better athlete, less broken down and so on.
1: I just think when you look at his strength, which in my opinion, I mean, his wrestling was good. But I think his strength was always his character and how he was on the mic um, and his point of view as an outsider or a rebel or someone who had this insane ego, but came across as still likable um, in an antihero sort of way. How does he do that in UFC and back it up when it's not predetermined? Because if he starts cutting promos on his UFC opponents and then goes get in the ring and gets demolished, you can only do that once, you know? It's like you have to back it up. And how do you back it up in this environment?
0: Well, he's not really cutting promos, though. That's the thing that's weird, too. I don't know if it's the confidence or lack thereof. But, I mean, he's not cutting promos. I mean, if the whole point of signing him was that he could theoretically draw wrestling fans in, he's not cutting CM Punk promos.
1: Oh, Dana White's going to break even on this. You know, I mean, he'll draw enough to to where he'll be cost positive, you know, for this whole endeavor. You'll get enough guys.
0: Well... I mean, I'm sure, I'm most likely, but I'm also, I'm curious. We don't really know how much, if anything, he's been paid just to be there or to tra- train. I would think it's some, like I would think they, I, but I mean, it, you can't be sure about that because that that would also be kind of breaking precedent from the regular fighters. Yeah, so it's, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, if they weren't, then yeah, of course, of course, they're going to make money on it. I mean, but you know at the time people thought that it was that bellator maybe was going to get him and that he wanted to make sure bellator didn't um with hindsight who knows i mean one of the one of the weird things about this has always been that punk and dana white tell completely conflicting versions of what happened uh dana white says punk came to them punk says that they called him all of a sudden he was like yeah sure but he was surprised so whichever is true it's this is still goes on as far as I know. I mean, I don't think either has changed their story, but they just keep conflicting each other. So that's weird too. I mean, yeah, we, week, week and a half away. So we're going to, we're going to find out soon.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, man. Cool. Anything else here before we take this home?
0: Um, a couple of bits of breaking news. Even okay. Marie has dyed her hair black. Ooh. So it's interesting. <laughs> no, actually, but, um, the bigger news, I guess, it's it's more of a UFC story, but uh, Joe Silva, no longer matchmaker with UFC. Huh. And, I mean, he had been there since pretty much they, you know, uh, you know, Dana White and the Fertitas had bought the company, and he'd even been working for the previous company as a consultant. And what makes it especially interesting is that a lot of the UFC's model and the things that are patterned after pro wrestling as the way of doing business i mean that comes from joe silva because joe silva is a gigantic pro wrestling fan i mean the things like he you know how the fourth of july weekend show is the biggest show of the year his thing was that's our starcade because he grew up in virginia and when they first started the lightweight division his idea was it for to be like the wcw cruiserweight division of mma and this is a guy whose booking was inspired by pro wrestling even other things like uh Not having instant rematches usually, I mean, and generally trying to book things mostly as winner versus winner based on their last fight. That was him going more on a pro wrestling model than a boxing model, because boxing, boxing would have like a lot of title rematches right away and stuff like that. So, if he's gone and we'll, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, there has to be a story behind this, whether he was fired or quit or it's a combination of the two. Uh, if he's out, I would think that the way UFC books fights is going to change a lot.
1: Yeah, no, no, it sounds like it. Um, and uh, yeah, I think. Uh, hmm. Now I, I'm. How did, so, let's talk a bit about what his role is specifically, though, and how hands-on there with that, because that's the closest thing—the guy that does the matches. I mean, that's the closest thing you have to someone that does the story, right? Is the guy? Who, I
0: mean, he is—he was the match. He well, they had two matchmakers: him yeah. and Sean Shelby. Uh, Sean Shelby had also been there since kind of the beginning of the, that ownership, um, but wasn't a matchmaker till later. What it was was that Sean Shelby did the matchmaking for when they bought the WEC. He did the matchmaking for that. And then when he, they watched Strikeforce, he did the matchmaking for that. And then once everything was merged together, he did the matchmaking for the lighter few weight classes and the women. So gotcha. Shelby presumably is still there. Uh, Joe Silva did the matchmaking for everything 155 pounds and above. So I mean, it seems like there will be changes. And it should be interesting to find out exactly what happened and why.
1: Cool. Well, so that's definitely the big news with the UFC. We covered at the top of the show the big news with the WWE with Alberto Del Rio being done. Of course, Wrestling Inc. You know, not to toot our own horn too much, but Wrestling Inc. had that story first. Um, and uh, where did word from on that come from? What was the? Do you know what the source was on that?
0: On Joe Silva?
1: No, no, no. On uh, on Re- on uh, Del Rio. I'm just curious. Uh,
0: nope. That was a Wrestling Inc. exclusive. Raj reported that
1: first. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's. Uh... Again, we'll see what happens in the fallout from that, how that impacts Paige's career. And where do you think, uh, just to touch back, I don't want to talk about this earlier, but where do you think uh, Alberto Del Rio goes from here with this?
0: Uh, being that he probably has his bridge burned with Lucha Underground and he yeah. knows what's even going on with them. Uh, I mean, TNA had made a play for him.
1: Yeah. Theoretically,
0: well, they have more money now, so I would think that's where he goes. If yeah. he, you know, if he tries to stay in North America, I mean, otherwise... I'm trying to remember if New Japan had any interest,
1: but I, w- I would think TNA. You can go feud with Aaron Rex. Uh, <laughs> cool, man. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining us uh, today, David. And thanks to you, the, the listener viewer, for joining us and watching and listening along with the show. If you like it, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, uh, leave us a comment. You know, leave us a rating, and of course, you can follow with David and myself on Twitter. Now, David, I predicted on Monday night's Raw's podcast that you would be the man that would know this because you'll get the details, you'll do the legwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bo Dallas, drunk, singing at the airport, and arrested. Did you pull the police report or talk to an officer involved to get confirmation on which song from the Lion King he was singing drunkenly?
0: Uh, honestly, no, I did not pursue that one. Hey, come on, David, come on. I probably should.
1: (laughs) I want to see that story on Wrestling Inc. Lion King song confirmed for Bo Dallas update. You know, uh, my money is on the circle of life because I think Bo Dallas is a grand kind of guy. Some people would say Hakuna Matata, that that suits him better. But I say no, I think he was going grandiose and just belting out circle of life.
0: The tweets I saw, I think, said the song from the beginning of the movie, which is – or from not if not the very beginning from early so is that
1: is circle of life in the beginning or circle of life at the end circle of life i believe is the big opening number i've only yeah, seen the line to once so probably he probably would be circle of life then mm. He's an epic kind of guy. So of course for that, the latest news on Del Rio and more, of course, follow wrestling Inc. We'll see you back here on Monday, immediately after raw ends on the East coast with myself, Raj Giri and Matt Morgan discussing what happens on the next Monday night. Raw the first raw of the Kevin Owens era. And uh, we'll see you back here next time on wrestling Inc until next time. Take care.